Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of Make Your Point. I'm Adam Aven with our now co-host and, var- and fellow varsity water polo player, Jesse Staple. How are you, Jess? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. It's Friday. Excited for the weekend. How are you, Adam? I'm doing great because we're talking about, we're going to talk about sports right now because a lot of stuff has happened in the past couple of days. Obviously, Zach is not with us right now. He's okay. That I think that set, that came out bad, right? But no, he's around. Uh, he's just, he's unavailable at the moment to discuss sports with us. Uh, but uh, we have had talks on the side, so he knows what's going on with everything in the sports world right now. But it, we wanted to talk to everyone listening, uh, if people are listening. So that's why we're here. Uh, but let's get into the NBA first, because Thursday, February 10th, it was the trade deadline at 3 p.m., from that point afterwards, at 301, no more trades can be processed. Uh, the only thing that teams can do are waive players or, or sign players from the buyout market. Uh, on February 8th, uh, the Trailblazers and Pelicans made a pretty big trade. The Trailblazers finalized a deal to acquire Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Thomas Sadoransky, Didi Luzanda, a future first-round pick from the Pelicans in exchange for CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell. So that was a swap right there. CJ McCollum made his Pelicans debut on the day of the trade deadline, February 10th against our Miami Heat in a loss to the Heat. Uh, Good for us, bad for CJ McCollum's Pelicans debut. Right after that trade took place, DeMontis Sabonis was traded to the Kings. for uh, It was him, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, for Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, Tyrese Halliburton. But those were a couple of the trades that really kicked off the weekend. Then a big four-team trade took place. Serge Ibaka, two first-round picks to the Bucks. Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles to the Kings, Marvin Bagley, which there was a lot of rumors about him the past couple of seasons. He hasn't, he's been injured, hasn't played up to his status, traded to the Pistons, Semi Ojale and Ronnie Hood to the Clippers. That was a big trade. Celtics then received Derek White from the, uh, from the Spurs. The, the Celtics traded Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and a first rounder. Christoph Porzingis then gets traded to the Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. They go to the, they go to uh, the Mavs. And then Montrose Harrell gets traded from the Wizards, which I don't think really anyone saw coming. He's been having a great year after his year with the Clippers last, last year. He gets traded to the Hornets. Now he, he's paired up with Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball. I think that's a really big improvement for them. So all of these tra- while all these trades were taking place, we were all waiting for the superstar one to, to really take effect. And the rumor, again, started a few days ago, prior to even the C.J. McCollum trade, there has been rumors of James Harden in Brooklyn uh, that he wanted out. He wasn't sure he wanted to be there. Reports he didn't like being in Brooklyn. He was very frustrated with the Kyrie Irving situation, which I'm sure anyone on the team, including coaches or staff GM, would be because it's very frustrating to have that talent on your team and they're not able to play. So a lot of things that James Harden uh, had in the back of his head, he was scared of, make, of being made public, be, of fear of public uh, backlash because he already wanted out of a team last year. But he did make it known within the organization that Philadelphia was the place where he wanted to go. And whenever he had a free agent contract or the thought of him possibly being traded, even from the Rockets just a year ago, it was always, is Philly a place where he can be? Well, while Ben Simmons was sitting out this year and James Harden is frustrated with the team, it seemed like these, that these two players were perfect for a swap at this point in the year. So after only playing literally 16 games together, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, 16 games in this year and a half that they've played together, James Harden is out and is on his way to Philadelphia to team up with Joel Embiid. 
He also, uh, Paul Millsup as well, in exchange for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks, one unprotected, one protected. When you look at that trade, in a trade that we're, we weren't even sure if it was going to happen because of everything that was being said over the past however long, who do you think won the trade, and do you think it has a really big impact for either team? Uh, I think both teams were able to solve some very, very big needs uh, for each of them. And I, I think the trade ended up working out in both of their favors. We, we now are seeing the Nets, who, who did have three superstar players, but historically, when you look at it, these, these super teams inevitably fail. And it's hard to have all, all this talent, let alone these personalities, all together on the court at once. Yeah. I mean, Kyrie Irving can't even play half the games because of his vaccination stance. And Kevin Durant's been injured. Harden's been trying to carry the load. Now he's hurt. But, uh, you know, it should it should work out for both of them. I, I It's going to be interesting to see Joel Embiid with a, a real, like, score, shot creator kind of guy. Yeah. Not, not only are these two teams in the same division, even though the NBA doesn't really – look at divisions as much as they used to back in the day. They're in that same division. They've been considered rivals for as long as I can remember. Uh, they are essentially helped each other out. I think James Harden and Joel Embiid is going to be, is going to become one of the premier duos in the NBA because since Jimmy Butler, really, I mean, for that half a year they played together, Joel Embiid has never really had that facilitator slash uh, wing guy who can help him in the pick and roll and post game. And James Harden's really going to help spread the floor out. Not like Joel Embiid really needs it because he can drop 40 on a consistent basis, which is rare for a big man. But uh, he's playing at an elite level. He gets paired up with James Harden now. There, you can make an argument that James Harden is out of shape. I mean, we've seen it before uh, where he, people are saying he's a little bit washed. But when you look at his stats, he's still putting up good numbers and I think will be good for Joel Embiid and the Sixers going forward. As for the Nets... I really don't know if it'll have much of an effect for them. Ben Simmons, we know that he's talented. Uh, he obviously needs to work on his shooting or still has. And maybe in this time that he set out this year, he has been working on his shooting. But I guess we'll see in a couple of days uh, if he actually suits up for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but to see him with, with Kyrie, who's not playing half the games, with a KD who's injured right now, but when he's healthy, is arguably the best player in the world. Andre Drummond, who is considered washed at this point in his career, being traded a few times from team to team, can't seem to stick. Uh, and Seth Curry, to me, is the real piece for that Brooklyn Nets team or is the best addition because you're getting that, that spot-up shooter. And his last name is Curry. You know he can shoot the basketball pretty well. And we've seen it in, throughout his career. He's over 45% from three. Uh, Doc Rivers' son-in-law, actually, so which is pretty funny. But you got traded to the Nets. And I think that's the addition where you look at, okay, maybe if all the pieces really come together and they work out, then, then I think that could be something. But the whole trade was just really interesting to me. Daryl Morey asking, was, wanted, wanted two first-round picks for Ben Simmons and ended up giving two away for a 32-year-old James Harden and a 36-year-old Paul Millsap. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I do think team, both teams got better. Heat still on five, though. Eric Spolstra, the coach of the Heat, was just selected as one of the top 15 coaches in NBA history. As you know, it's the 75th anniversary of the NBA. The 75 best players list came out. Uh, other events are taking place throughout the season. And now Eric Spolstra is next to Pat Riley, his mentor, the president of basketball operations for the Heat, 
are they're on this list together. There's only three coaches of forum, excuse me, on this list who are uh, current coaches, Eric Spolstra, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, actually. Yeah. Uh, only three, um, but no, and doc rivers, excuse me. Uh, so four uh, coaches on this list. Uh, did you see the list Jess? Do you have an opinion on, um, on Eric Spolstra making it? He's never won coach of the year, something that is ex- extremely crazy to me. Uh, what do you think about uh, him making and, and receiving this prestigious honor? Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to take a look at the list, but hearing that really doesn't surprise me at all. You know, uh, for as long as I've been a Heat fan, Eric Spolstra has been our coach. And every year we've had a consistency, even when we haven't had our best teams, we're never, ever just a dumpster fire. You yeah. know, it's such a strong organization that they get knocked down. They, they come back 10 times stronger. And uh, Spolstra is very deserving of this honor. Sticking with Miami locally, I just want to bring this up real quick before we get to the big football uh, stuff that's going on. The Dolphins got their head coach, Mike McDaniel. He was the 49ers offensive coordinator. Big deal for the Dolphins. I love the guy. I think he brings so much character to the team. He seems very just like smart and, and innovative and, and kind of like nerdy, just like he loves the game of football and, and he seems like a great character. What do you think pairing him up with Tua is going to expand, you know, this offense for him uh, in, for the team in the future? Uh, I really love McDaniels. I, I think that was a great hire. Uh the other coaches he's worked with, Shanahan and uh, Robert Sala, had nothing but high praise for him, which is always a good sign. He brings that energy and character you, you want. It's it's a different – it's kind of a change of pace from Brian Flores' style of very monotone and uh, we don't we don't really communicate with the media. We don't show our character to them. McDaniel's kind of all cards on the table. He's out there. Uh, he's done great things for the 49ers run game. They've had a great run game for the past three or four years now. Uh, hopefully he can focus on getting us a better offensive line, which is something we desperately need, a yeah. real running back. Uh, so Tua can have a little bit of uh, weight off his back because it's much easier for a young quarterback to develop when they have a strong run game. And I, I do really like this, this pairing with Tua. And what, from what it sounds like, McDaniel really believes in Tua, and that's something he needs. He needs someone – on his side and uh, in his ring because, you know, Flores didn't support him like that. And for a young quarterback, it must be really tough to go out there every single day and not have the support from your head coach and it be out there that he wants another quarterback. It, it must not be good for your confidence. And now that Tua is looked at as the guy, hopefully he can step up and play like it. You know, this is his third year. This is usually where we see where, where these young quarterbacks are at. And, uh, this will tell us a lot about the future for the Dolphins. But there, uh, the other innovative coach, a friend that he had in Washington, Sean McVay, is in the Super Bowl right now with the Los Angeles Rams. The, the, the game is being played at SoFi Stadium, this $5 billion stadium that was built over a year ago or two years ago. Uh, the Rams are actually the away team because the NFC and AFC switch off every year, but it's still at home. It's in Los Angeles. It's a really big deal for the Los Angeles Rams and for Sean McVay, who has worked himself up to be this uh, to be this amazing, innovative leader uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. This is his second Super Bowl appearance with the team. Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, Odell, all these guys in this team. It's a superstar team going up against the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Joe Burr, 
uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Trey Hendrickson on the defensive side of the ball. They got some great pieces as well, led by Zach Taylor, their, their, their head coach, who's a, a young guy as well. The Bengals, who just a year ago were literally 4-11, the worst team in the league, and are now in the Super Bowl. Just an amazing turnaround for Joe Burrow, for, for the Cincinnati Bengals. This Super Bowl is on record to be the warmest Super Bowl ever at 85 degrees, which I think is really weird considering a lot of places are warm, you know, uh, but uh, 85 degrees predicted, predicted to be the hottest Super Bowl in history. Uh, the only game the Rams played this year over 80 degrees was in October and they lost to the Cardinals. There are reports they're practicing outside of their stadium to get a feel of the weather and, you know, extra curricular things that may or may not play a role in this game. But when you look at this matchup between the Bengals and the Rams, what do you think is going to be most important for both teams to get the job done and win Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl? Um, that's, that's a tough question. You know, uh, for me, I think – a lot of the time in these big games, it usually comes down to the way your quarterback plays. Um, that's not always the case, though. A lot of the time, the game, these games will turn defensive, and then it depends on how long can your defense hold up. So for Cincinnati specifically, uh, Joe Burrow is going to need to play his, his brand of football that he's been playing his entire playoffs, which I believe he can do. Their defense has to step up, really. They have a good pass rush. They're secondary is iffy it's going to be it's going to be hard to contain cooper cup and odell beckham yeah and uh, then have to watch cam makers in the backfield they have they have their hands very full uh the rams offense is obviously very good and they have an elite defense all around they have superstar players front to back jalen ramsey vaughn miller aaron donald these game-changing kind of guys that uh when you look at it it's gonna be it's going to be a, a real tough matchup mm -hmm. and I think Joe Burrow can get it done. You know, he's, so he's so do what is your pick? Do you think it's going to be the Rams taking it at home in, in LA or do you think it's going to be the Bengals bringing their first championship uh, in a very long time to Cincinnati or su even Super Bowl appearance to Cincinnati? Uh, what do you think? Wh wh which way is the game going to go? Do you have a score prediction? Do you have any type of prediction for the oh. game? How, which way do you think it's going? Historically, the, the Simpsons have been able to uh, predict a lot of future events. And uh, I don't know if you saw recently uh, the uh, old picture from one of the episodes where the Bengals beat L.A. in the Super And, uh, you know, I think that it would be hard to bet against such a strong, you know, indicator. Well, so. I'm going to bet against you because... I think that the Rams are going to get it done. I think they've played too good of football recently, as the Bengals have, and I know it, it could definitely go to Joe Burrow. If I was betting, I'd probably pick the Bengals to cover because cover the spread because they're the underdogs, and I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference in terms of score, but I would pick the Rams' money line because I think they're going to win the game. I think their defense, if their defense gets to Joe Burrow early and, and can – you know, if the D line stays up and holds up, which because of the monsters they have on that side of the ball, I think it will. Uh, if, if, if the defense puts too much pressure on Joe Burrow, I don't know how well he'll be able to hand it or if the offensive line will be able to hand it, 
handle it. So uh, when you look at, uh, at that and the way that Matthew Stafford has been slinging the ball to Odell Beckham, who stepped up and has really proven that he can be a wide receiver one when Cooper Cup is being locked down, uh, I don't see why not why, or why the, the, the Rams uh, won't win this one. They went all in this year. They got all the pieces for this, for this win. Sean McVay has coached them up for this. Uh, Kevin McConnell, the offensive coordinator, took the job. Uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, Raheem Morris, uh, defensive coordinator, playing, uh, got that defense in shape. I think the I think the Rams are going to take this one. Maybe we'll put some money on it, but uh, I think Rams. You got the Bengals. That's good. We'll keep track of that. It's February 11th right now. We're making our predictions. The game is in two days. We'll see how it plays out. But this is really all the stuff that's been going on uh, the past few days. The NBA trade deadline, NBA All Star, uh, Miami got their head coach, and the Rams and Bengals in the Super Bowl. So that's what we got. And last night was NFL honors. Uh, Aaron Rodgers took his, got his fourth MVP on stage with Peyton Manning, who has won five and gifted him with the trophy. Uh, TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year. Cooper, Cooper Cup, Offensive Player of the Year. Jamar Chase, rookie, uh, rookie Offensive Player of the Year. And Micah Parsons, Defensive Rookie Player of the Year. I think all these awards were pretty predictable in terms of just you know, not only name recognition, but the way that they've played. Uh, I think we all kind of expected these, all, all these awards to play out. Did you have any, was there any award where you thought like it could go to someone else could go either way? Uh, the only thing I saw was I thought not necessarily that he should win it, but I think Nick Bosa probably should have been up for comeback player of the year. Mm -hmm. with the he had. Oh, Joe um, Burrow coming for the year. Won it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not to say Joe Burrow didn't deserve it. That, he perfectly deserved the award. It's more that uh, I feel like Nick Bosa should have definitely been recognized as a player who is in that kind of category. He also had a torn ACL like Burrow and uh, was top five in every pretty, every pretty, pretty much every uh, defensive lineman cat, stat category. Yeah. So, you know, it would have been nice to see him get some recognition. But other than that, you know, I, like you said, very predictable. You know what? I, I thought Brady might They might. He might. led in every stat this year. It made sense in, in, in passing yards and touchdowns and passing attempts. Uh, he Brady played great year. It's, oh, he retired. Um, did we talk about that last time? La the last episode we were discussing if he, uh, yeah. the last episode you were on, we were discussing if he was going to retire. Turns out two days later he did. Uh, yeah. So that was crazy also. But, um, you know, so much stuff has, has gone on and hopefully Zach will be here with us to, uh, next time to, talk about uh whatever is next so watch this one Sunday. we're talking about tom brady uh zach's actually visiting the university of michigan right now uh, maybe maybe brady will be up there also touring and they might run into each other we could possibly get brady. Head, co head coach brady head coach brady that's that's what they're saying harbaugh to the nfl head coach brady at michigan i don't i don't i, I don't know about that i think he would he's retiring to spend time with his family yeah but he already did start talking about a comeback. He's like, oh, I don't know. In six months, it might feel different. But I mean, but first, before there's any discussion, before he's there's any discussion of that, we gotta get to the Super Bowl first. And you know, we we need we need a proper offseason before there can be any discussion of Tom Brady coming back and playing football. Either way, it's Kyle Trask time in Tampa Bay. It's Kyle it Trask time in Tom Tampa Brady. Bay. It would be the most Tom Brady thing to announce that you're retiring and that you're coming back within two weeks. Yes, it would be, but uh, as a Dolphin fan, I, you know, we need to, we need to, I, I'm pro, it's okay. 
we we're, we're, we're good. We're relaxing, but thanks for coming on Jess and talking with me about everything. And uh, you know, if, if more stuff comes on, well, or happens in the world, we will be here to talk about it. Uh, I'm Adam Maven. You're Jesse Staple. And this is episode 29. Make your point. 29. It's a good number.